Good morning. This is the Healthcare Insights Podcast from Northwest Area Health Education Center. I'm your host, Andy Brewer, and this morning's guest is Dr. Janet Spriggs, the president of Forsyth Technical Community College. So welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much. Um, how I wanted to start is for you, uh, you know, I attended your thing yesterday. Yes, thank you. And uh, you were real proud of the mission statement or the vision statement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought we'd just start there. So if, if you could just sure. recite that and we can use that as the launch pad. Sure, absolutely. So we developed this shared vision statement when I first came to Forsyth Tech last year. So I am very excited about it and very proud of it. Um, it is our uh, our collective idea of where we want to take Forsyth Tech. And the statement is that Forsyth Tech is a catalyst for Equitable economic mobility, empowering lives, and transforming communities. And that's a lot, lot in it, there. It is. It's a, a pretty powerful um, statement, we believe. Um, and as I said yesterday in the Impact Hour, um, it really is guiding the work that we do through our strategic plan. It was the starting place for the development of our strategic plan, Vision 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it really does speak to how we see our role as being a change agent or a leader, both actually change agent and leader around uh, helping to advance social mobility, mm-hmm. um, using the power of education to transform lives, uh, to empower lives, and then to have our students who graduate and stay here and go to work in our communities be a part of community transformation. Mm-hmm. And that that's why I had you here, because, I mean, the the purpose of this podcast is to mm-hmm. uh, kind of demystify and, and shine a light on all the things that are happening in our community in this region for mm-hmm. improving the health of the community. And, and right. education is certainly one of those things. And right. one of our pushes I was sharing with you yesterday is, is uh, emphasizing social determinants of health and how that plays a part. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest factors is health literacy. Right. And that yes. folds right into education and, and all those things and economic mobility. So before we go deeper into that, I wanted, if you could give our listeners a little background on the community college system. I know you shared sure. some of that yesterday about access. So can we right. talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Now, you have to cut me off if I go too long. Oh, yeah. Um, the floor I, is, is yours. This is absolutely my passion, um, community college education, and particularly in North Carolina, because that's this is my home. I grew up here, uh, was born here, grew up here, have worked in this community college system for the past 24 years um, at three different community colleges now. Uh, the system was started late 50s, early 60s. We at Forsyth Tech are celebrating our 60th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. Most of the other colleges are between the 50 and 60 year old range. Um, it was started as the uh, thought of uh, what, who we call our father of the community college system, and that's Dr. Dallas Herring. And Dr. Herring had this belief that there was, um, and Dr. Herring and others believed that there was a uh, gap between K through 12 education and the university system and really had a heart and a mission for access to high quality public higher education past the 12th grade, past high school, um, for every North Carolinian. And so the dream was that within 20 or 30 minutes of every person who lived in North Carolina, there would be a community college, uh, a public two year higher education institution that would provide access for North Carolinians to that high-quality public education. Um, it was set up as a two-year community college, or back in the day, most of us were technical colleges. We started out as the Industrial Education Center um, back in 1960. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, the premise was that uh, many students, if you're low income, if you're from an underrepresented population, having access to high quality post-secondary education was difficult. And so the community colleges were designed to, um, to help fix that problem and and bridge that gap, if you will. Uh, We are an open door institution, which means that we have a place for you. Um, you, We do have some programs that are very selective. Healthcare programs in Mm -hmm. particular are very selective and you have to compete and, and, you know, get into those programs. But we will find a path forward for you no matter um, where you are academically uh, or what your needs are. We are an open door and so we will um, be happy to 
to find a, a successful pathway forward for you. So that's how we started is just being able to be that intermediary access bridge, if you will, um, so that everyone would have equitable access to uh, post-secondary education and high-quality post-secondary education. Right. How many community colleges are there? In there are 58 Illinois? across 58. the state. So there's 100 counties. There's 58 community colleges. Many of us, as Forsyth Tech does, um, serve two different or more counties. Our service area is Forsyth County and Stokes County. Um, we do not compete with each other either. That was another big important part of the premise of who we are. Uh, we complement and work together. So, uh, for example, Guilford Technical Community College right down the road in Greensboro, Surrey Community College in Mount Airy, Davidson County Community College serves Davidson and Davie counties. Um, we work together to make sure that we may have the same programs if the demand is there, mm-hmm. but we don't um, infringe on each other's territory. We may have students that come from Davie or Davidson County to Forsyth Tech because we have a program that they can't get mm-hmm. at Davidson County. But, you know, we really try to work together to make sure that what we focus on um, is unique to the community that we serve. Mm-hmm. And all of the 58 community colleges do that. So mm-hmm. the program mix is very different depending on where you are. I was at Carteret Community College at the coast mm-hmm. for 15 years. And we had a, a, a tourism-based economy, you know, a much different economy than what you find here in the Piedmont in the Triad region or I was at Rowan Cabarrus in, in that area. Mm-hmm. And so our programs really were focused on meeting the needs of the workforce and the students um, from that community the same way that here we focus our programs on what the businesses and industries need, what the workforce needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, Baked into your vision statement is the word equity, equitable. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that struck me about your impact um, yesterday was mm-hmm. how closely – um, the numbers of Forsyth Tech match the population of Forsyth Tech. So mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about equity and and about like when there's the percentages are off, it's a sign of there's some systemic problem. And right. it seems like the community college has mm-hmm. has really embraced um, mirroring mm-hmm. what what the community looks like mm-hmm. and offering a path forward. And I, mm-hmm. I saw I read somewhere it was the, the beacon of hope for right. for a lot of um, right. you know what what you know, the, I guess the current jargon is underserved, right. you know, right. community. Right. So, so you want to talk a little bit about yeah. those numbers? I, it, so that I show that slide particularly because it's very important. You know, community is in our name intentionally because, again, we are focused on the particular community where we live and where we are. Um, and so it's very important for us to be representative of the community that we serve. And if, as you saw, the population statistics by ethnicity yesterday for Forsyth County, I didn't show Stokes. Um, that's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but um, pretty much we mirror that as well for the Stokes County population. But the uh, ethnicity mix, if you will, or breakdown is very, very close to the students we have. And that, again, means, I believe, that we are, in fact, that beacon of hope, that access to higher education that we strive to be, we are providing that. Mm-hmm. You can tell because we match or mirror almost exactly um, the makeup of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting because we have such a broad range of programs, as you saw yesterday, and because we have such a strong short-term economic and workforce development Um, division of our college, we really do touch over 25,000 people each year in Mm -hmm. Forsyth County Mm -hmm. um, and Forsyth and Stokes County. And um, I think that that, again, affirms that we are, in fact, uh, meeting the needs of the community. We don't necessarily have something that everyone in our service area needs, but we certainly are meeting the needs of particularly low-income, first-generation, underserved populations, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I, I think that's important to emphasize, too. Is mm-hmm. that, well, So you're mirroring the community, and also the, the two other words I want to unpack there is technical and college. Uh-huh. And I know yeah. um, to provide a higher education path, Mm-hmm. Um, for people, you know, right. for Forsyth Tech Community College is a college, and That's right. it provides a, a a way for uh, 
students mm-hmm. uh, graduating high school to to go on mm-hmm. to higher education and i know mm-hmm. i know uh you bristle when, when someone <laughs> says it's you know grade 13 yes. or something like that so yeah. um there is a stigma and, and i know mm-hmm. you have a campaign to to remove that mm-hmm. um yeah. that that community college is represents a path forward and i want you to talk about the the two-year transfer program that you okay. have in, in those numbers because sure. that was impressive too. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a lot in that. Let me see if I can kind of sure. um, unpack that a little bit. We, I do think I, I do bristle a little bit um, and, and I try not to uh, bristle unnecessarily. It's just that I think sometimes people do forget that we are a college. They, they tend to sometimes think of us as a last resort for students who can't get into college. And that's just a, an age old stigma, really. It's been around since we were created, um, with people thinking if you can't get to the university, well, you can just go to the community college. And the campaign that I was talking about is uh, a social media campaign that was started by a colleague of mine, Dr. Steve Robinson from Owens Community College in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, and he last year, about this time, about a year ago, decided that he was really tired of hearing that we were the last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he started a hashtag end CC stigma campaign that's pretty pervasive on social media. And we do, we participate as much as we can with making social media posts that try to alleviate that stigma and, you know, combat that stigma mm-hmm. by telling the story of what we do have to offer, why it is high quality, why it can be and should be, in our opinion, the first choice for many students instead of the last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that reason is because we have such an amazing um broad spectrum of programs and opportunities for students. You can, um, the technical, to your point, is very important because we do have a wide range of career and technical education um, degree programs, certificate programs, and diploma programs. So students can come to us and they can take, for example, our welding program, or they can get a degree in mechatronics, which is um, advanced manufacturing and really uh, high-skilled um, trades, and they can go to work with that two-year degree and make a very nice livable wage career and have a career pathway forward. Mm-hmm. So manufacturing is in that title, right? Advanced manufacturing. And so sometimes people are afraid that that is, they have visions, I think, of the old factories and, mm-hmm. and you know, the cotton mills. The mill that, work. Yeah. yeah, that my parents actually worked in. And so I can kind of understand where that stigma comes from. Mm-hmm. But what we need to show them is that these jobs are critical to our economy, number one. Our workforce needs them. We have gaps in those professions. Um, And number two, they are career pathways and not just minimum wage jobs. They are livable wage, good jobs. Those factories are you know, you could eat off the floor in these factories. Mm-hmm. It's not the factories of old. Um, and the jobs are very technical and technological. So for us at Forsyth Tech, that technical piece of our name is also very important because that's a very important group of students that we serve. And it's very important for us to be connected to the businesses and industries that we serve so that we're providing students who are prepared for the workforce here and now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so workforce development is a huge, we are a driver of workforce development. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is the community college piece um, is about providing transfer options. And that's a, you know, it's about, it's split almost evenly. About half of our students are in career and technical education courses, and about half of our students are in college transfer. And that is an amazing opportunity for students who do want to go into a career that requires a four-year degree pathway. Mm -hmm. Um, Students can come to us for two years. They can enter into one of four different transfer pathways. We have an associate in, in arts, an associate in science, an associate in engineering, and an associate in uh, fine arts. Mm -hmm. And they can come to us and they can take our transfer courses. Our faculty are world-class, and they have to be qualified just like faculty at any of the universities. Mm -hmm. So the students are getting the same material for two years, all their general education coursework, 
and then they can transfer. Um, they transfer as freshmen because that's their freshman year at the university, but with junior standing, which means that for a third of the cost of public uh, university education in North Carolina, our students can get the same education. They can transfer. They've got two more years, um, and then they get their bachelor's degree. And what I mentioned yesterday was the statistic that we have data that shows that if our students stay with us for that entire two years and earn that associate degree in transfer and they transfer to the public universities, when they get there, they do better. They have higher GPAs and higher completion rates than the students who start at the university. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and when we talk about equity too, um, Andy, it's really important in the equity conversation to note that transfer and, and um, giving students from underrepresented, low-income, first-generation students the opportunity for that university degree, that bachelor's degree, that transfer mission then becomes extremely critical for us and is a driver of equity, societal equity, Mm -hmm. if you will, um, because many of our students do fit those markers. They are low income. They're from minority populations. You know, they are first generation. They don't have people in their families that have been to college or had taken advantage of higher education. And so if we can provide them with that first two years at a lower cost, we we provide, we have smaller class sizes, we have uh, additional support resources to help them make it through that first two years. That sets them up then to be able to go to the university and be so successful, whereas many of them would have, for various reasons, not made that leap to the university right out of high school. Mm -hmm. And so we become that critical bridge, really, um, to get them on that pathway that's going to ultimately make them successful and and take them above socio and economically where their families may have been in the past. So it's it's a real, in my opinion, what we do is all about social mobility. That's why equitable economic mobility is part of our vision statement um, because that's what we are doing is promoting opportunity for advancement for everyone in mm-hmm. the communities we serve. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think what I've uh, read and, and understand is that the, the first generation mm-hmm. uh, student is yeah. is probably one of the most at risk, mm-hmm. um, and especially if they just get go to some large university right. and become just a number, and it's easy yeah. to get lost in those big crowds and, and mm-hmm. not have the support. So I want, want you to spend a little bit more time talking about the support services that you do have for mm-hmm. um, those first generation and maybe, you know, also yeah. other other uh, at risk. Yeah, at mm-hmm. risk um, populations that, mm-hmm. that come and find that they have that support and mm-hmm. probably because they're closer to home, too, that yeah. they have – their familial support and right. the community support around that. So I think that's very important that people understand how how um, valuable that is mm-hmm. and how and, and and how without that mm-hmm. um, the, the the failure rate increases. I'm I'm sure a lot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just share a little more about the the, the support services sure. that you do offer. And I will say that universities do have good support systems for first-generation and at-risk populations, too. But I think that what we can offer is that that close-to-home piece is very critically important, and we're smaller. You know, we're a large community college. We serve about 11,300 students um, in the curriculum side, the curriculum programs, degree program um, division in our college. And that's what we are the um, sixth largest of the 58 in North Carolina. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty big school. Many of our colleges... Uh, are very small in the communities that they serve. They have 2,000 or so. But the thing that no matter what size we are, community colleges can offer is that little bit of extra uh, support, not only academically, but also life skills. Mm -hmm. You know, we're able to help students um, understand the importance of being on time and help them grow responsibly and and learn some of those life skills that perhaps because of um, how they grew up, they they didn't necessarily get that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we also recognize that for our students, first generation, any of the at-risk populations, low-income, a big barrier for them, a big, uh, most of the barriers for them are uh, not necessarily academic, mm-hmm. right? We do spend a lot of time 
um, on academic preparedness, helping students um, get up to where they need to be to be college students. We have a, a, a lot of developmental education that we do. But what we know is that our students, we, we have good teachers and we know how to teach. You know, our faculty, again, is world-class faculty. They understand how to convey the competencies to students and how to share the knowledge and exchange the knowledge. Our students um, struggle with life happens issues mm-hmm. because you know if you think about it if you're if you're a low if you're a single mother um, you uh, have a three year old and your child is sick mm-hmm. you can't take it to you can't take your child to daycare you may not have a family support system to help you with mm-hmm. that so you can't come to class and bring your sick child with you that becomes then a barrier I I say many of our students are one flat tire or one medical bill away yeah. from having to drop out. And so the support systems that we are building and strengthening now at our institution really are more focused on mitigating those life happens things. Mm. How do we, you know, the Center for Social Mobility at Winston-Salem State University, Dr. Craig Richardson, is doing a lot of research on transportation issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had their um, bus stop jobs uh, video that they released a, a year or so ago. We had a screening of that at our college because that's a huge problem for our students. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, you can take an hour bus ride sometimes to be able to get to the college. If you have an eight o'clock class and the bus is 10 minutes late, mm. you know, or if you can't afford the transportation. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of things are where we are really focusing on building um wraparound support and holistic support systems for students. And honestly, to do that, we're focusing on how we partner with all the wonderful things going on here in our community because we can't, through our budgeting process, we don't get enough money Mm -hmm. to be able to do many of those kinds of support things. And so um, we are looking to find partnerships to help us with child care needs and to help us if we have students that we need to refer for medical assistance or mental health counseling and those kinds of things. So I think I answered your question maybe more than you asked. Oh, that's great. (laughs) And and transportation is one of those things that that pop up Mm -hmm. in healthcare too, is just getting people to their appointments and and getting them to adhere to their their regimens and and their treatment plans and stuff like that. So I want to shift gears a little bit into healthcare. And if you could um, give us just lay the the scene for Mm -hmm. uh, the healthcare programs that Forsyth Tech offers and and how how the... the, the, Workforce and the the needs here in, mm-hmm. in our region um, affect that. Sure. Well, as I said, you know, our focus is making sure that the programs that we have um, match the needs of the community. It will do us no good to have programs that train students and educate students for jobs that don't exist here. Mm-hmm. Um, because as I mentioned to you, about 84, 86% of our students stay here in our, in our uh, community in the region to work. So as you know, the two largest employers in our community in Forsyth County are healthcare. Um, institutions. And so we have a plethora of um, real high quality, um, critical associate degree programs um, around healthcare. Our health technologies division is one of our strongest divisions. Um, we have nursing, of course. We also have pharmacy technology. We have dental hygiene that fits within that health technologies. And then we have all of the modalities of um of uh, uh, x-ray technologies. I'm sorry, the name is somehow yeah. slipping my mind, but we have, um, for example, uh, radiation therapy technology, respiratory therapy, therapeutic massage is another one, medical assisting, medical sonography. We have um, interventional cardiac and vascular technology. Um, we have nuclear uh, uh, radiography technology. So all of those um, programs that are critical to the workforce and to the largest employers in our region, you can find them 
at Forsyth Tech. Mm-hmm. And how how does that drive? I mean, how do y'all stay abreast of what the industry needs yeah. and, and create programs to fill those? Yeah, good question. That that is because we have strong partnerships with the industry. So we have uh, we have what we are calling we're we're kind of changing the advisory board model into a business and industry leadership team model. And what that means is in the past, most of our programs require all of our programs require us to have community advisory boards, people from the professions that our students will be going into um, to be on an advisory board to help us frame our curriculum. Mm -hmm. But what we've done is rather than having the the business community just come and advise us, we've turned it around a little bit and made it into a group that is action uh, and led by the business community. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we have partners with the major medical uh, institutions in our area who are actively engaged in making sure that the programs we offer meet their needs, but also that the curriculums meet the uh, standards and needs that they require as well. Mm-hmm. And for health technologies, <coughs> each of those programs are very, they're very selective. So you do have to compete to get into them. Mm-hmm. They are regulated by licensing and accrediting agencies, primarily licensing boards. Um, and so they have to be separately accredited through the Board of Nursing, for example, or through the radiography respiratory therapy um, entities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are, in that regard, also being monitored to make sure that they're meeting the needs of the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Well, a little shameless plug for us. Uh, we, we do... Um use some of your faculty for our RN refresher uh-huh. um, program that we offer uh-huh. for uh, nurses re-entering the workforce after yes. time off or just career change. And, and, and so I've, I've worked with uh, some of your people on that, yeah, on that developing the online modules uh-huh. that, that we develop here. That's wonderful. Um, so uh, one of the things I, you know, with the, disappearance of say technical trades in high schools and uh-huh. shop class um you know I, I took shop class in high uh-huh. school and i loved it that was mm-hmm. one of my favorite things now i didn't go on to to use those skills right. or, or get training further in that um but i was just wondering how what, what services do you have that help students who don't really know what they want to do yeah. i mean they graduate yeah. high school and they're like well you know, the, the path is to get right. higher education. I really don't know what, I mean, do you, mm-hmm. do you have career development and like interests? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking of all the online tools that allow you to figure out, you know, your personality type right. and, and all right. those kinds of things. So yeah, if you'll yeah. dive into that a little bit. Absolutely. So it's, it's very important for us to be able to help our students um, understand where they're trying to go. It's kind of like with the vision statement before we could create our strategic plan, our map to get where we want it to be. We had to know where we want it to be. So it's the same thing with our students. Um, many of them come to us, for example, uh, I have literally had conversations with students who are there and who want to be a nurse. But then in the conversation, it comes out that they hate blood. Okay, <laughs> That's not a connection that's yeah. going to be successful. And so we are very fortunate at Forsyth Tech particularly. All colleges have career exploration built into their advising pretty much. But what we have, um, that it, due to a very uh, generous gift, we have the Strickland Career Center. Um, at our college. And that is a, an actual center staffed with career exploration advisors mm-hmm. who have all those tools that you mentioned, you know, the personality, the aptitude, all the tools that will help students really uh, connect to the right pathway for their career and, and, you know, what really will help make them successful on the front end. Mm-hmm. So um, we have, we've rebuilt our advising model. Um, and it basically created a case management model. And one of the first things that all students incoming now will do is be exposed to that career exploration piece. So they may come to us with no idea of what they want to do. They just know that if they come, that may be a you know brighter future for them at mm-hmm. the end. Um, or they may come to us with an idea and we're able to help them explore if that's really the right idea for mm-hmm. them uh, and get them into 
into a, a pathway, a program that's right for them. Sometimes, and, and you know, another thing I said yesterday that's really important for us is that every student has their unique pathway forward. Um, it doesn't necessarily look like anybody else's path and it doesn't necessarily fit, you know, siblings don't have the same pathway forward. Um, and so for us, it's really important to make sure that we are advising students right where they are. Our community college slogan is meet students where they are mm -hmm. and take them as far as they can go. So that career exploration piece is critical in that work. Mm -hmm. That helps us understand where they are and helps us get them in the right um, pathway to success. Sometimes it might be that this student needs to go to work quickly. So maybe there's a short-term workforce certification program that gets them employed, mm -hmm. uh, gets them that skill set they need to get the job, and then we can talk about how to move them forward from there. And then often they go to work for an employer that has tuition reimbursement, and so that even helps them more. Yeah. So it's really, um, we, we invest quite a bit of time in trying to make sure that our students have done that upfront work and we've supported them through that work of really uh, defining what their future wants to look like. Yeah, that's great. You, you know, you say the meet, meet them where they are, and I think that's mm -hmm. a has baked in social determinants yeah. and, and in healthcare, I think that yeah. that's a yeah. big part of it Absolutely. is meet patients where they are mm -hmm. and figure out what's going on in their environment mm -hmm. and what's, what are their challenges to right. get treatment and to follow a mm -hmm. path to, you know, whether yeah. it's behavior modification right. or just, just, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, chronic illness right. uh, uh, mitigation and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of, a lot of a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Now we do healthcare career development too with our um, you know in the K twelve yes um, through through um, one of the service lines that we offer at Northwest AHEC and um, I just wanted to ask you what advice or what 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 things you would um, counsel would be health careers uh, students um, to focus on and mm -hmm. to to really look into as as they plot their their career forward in that in that industry yeah well again I think it is uh, we have excellent resources within the career advisors to help them um, help all students but particularly students who are going to go into one of the selective programs Um because it's very competitive. And so what we want them to do is to connect with those career advisors and also connect with the faculty from the field mm -hmm. um, so that they can understand truly what it's like to work in that field. Our faculty who teach our health programs have worked in those fields mm -hmm. um, before. And so they can really be um, – Excellent mentors and advisors for the students who who are considering healthcare professions. They can tell them what it's like to be in a hospital environment, um, what their opportunities are going to look like if they decide to be a cardiovascular intervention specialist. Mm -hmm. um, you know what their opportunities for you know because that job is an eight to five job a lot of times, yeah. and it's not your typical necessarily twenty four seven healthcare opportunity. So I think that my advice is just connecting. Um, students to people who have been in the field is mm -hmm. the most valuable uh, mentoring and advising, in my opinion, that mm -hmm. they can get. Mm -hmm. And we spend a lot of time doing that. We actually spend a lot of time trying to do that with our high, as we recruit in high school. Um, for example, we had this big event last year called Focus at Forsyth Tech. And we worked with the school system because we're excellent partners with both Stokes County and Winston-Salem Forsyth County schools. And so we worked with the school systems to bring their students, their high school seniors, who had not made a decision what they were going to do when they graduated in June. Last year in May, the early part of May, we brought 709 or so students, seniors, to our campus. Mm -hmm. And we had a whole day for them to explore college. They got to interact with students. They got to hear this. Our students wanted to interact with them to tell them what it was like to be a college student, which yeah. was really important. They also got to explore the programs. And the health sciences programs were one of the places where I saw the most excitement and enthusiasm. So a story, for example, is I was over um, just walking around as the students were going from station to station. What we did was design time for them to be in our health sciences labs, which are 
set up to emulate the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they were able to see the mannequins that we have, um, a a mannequin giving birth, for example. They Mm -hmm. were able to experience the uh, radiography, virtual reality um, equipment that we have. Mm -hmm. They were able to talk with the faculty. And again, these faculty have worked in the industry. And so they were able to hear and see and demonstrate and use the equipment and Mm -hmm. all of that. And walking out of one of the demonstrations, one of the students said, as she was coming out, I, I said to her, how was that? And she said, I never knew what I wanted to be, and now I know who oh, wow. I'm going to be. Um, and, and we had several, um, from the health technologies particularly, several students who made similar comments to other faculty and other staff that day. Yeah. So I think that exposure to what it's like mm-hmm. is one of the best things that you can do to help you know students understand if that's right for them and and how they should move forward yeah i mean that's truly life-changing yeah it was i mean she this and she was so sincere and she was so excited and i think it had been the radiography um virtual reality um uh exam or um what she had experienced was that. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what had really just excited her. We had many nursing students um, who also got excited that day and mm-hmm. respiratory therapy students, mm-hmm. advanced manufacturing students. That was very popular. Um, you know, students got to see 3D printing mm-hmm. uh, and they got to look at the equipment. We have um, robot welders now mm-hmm. that we train our students on. Oh, wow. And so, you know, being able to experience things really does help you kind of focus in Mm -hmm. and understand if you're in the right place or if you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's got to be powerful to visualize yourself doing something and and seeing that it's a real thing that you can get paid to do. That's right. And and, and build a career for yourself. Now, I'm going to flip that first, that question I had about um, advice to students. And I would, uh, I want to change it and say, what advice would you give to um, high school faculty who are trying to prepare these students, mm. um, you know, and what what the challenges that they're facing um, in producing a product that mm. you know is, is quality for the college system. So, yeah. what, what would you tell them to, to to if you had you know had a had a soapbox you could yeah. get up on and, and tell them? Well, you know, I think that our high schools, um, our high school stu- our high school. Uh, faculty and um, and counselors and advisors really do understand because we have strong partnerships with them. In fact, that focus event, the the uh, counselors brought the students there. You know, we didn't just have students show up <laughs> without folks from the schools. So they were there and they said to us, this is powerful. We've got to do it again. We have it planned again for April. Um, we're going to see what happens with yeah. the, with coronavirus, but we hope that we'll be able to do it again. And what the counselor said was, this has been invaluable for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, please, let's do this again. Because again, we were focused on the students that didn't have a plan. We were not trying to take the students that were going to go to Winston-Salem State or Wake Forest mm-hmm. away from their path. We wanted the ones that didn't have a plan. I had a statistic that said that 41% of the high school seniors that were going to graduate last year did not have higher education as their next step on Mm -hmm. their journey. That's a large number of people in our community that we felt their lives could be transformed through the power of education if we could get them there. Yeah. So what I would say is that I think that the the faculty and the high school counselors are already doing such a fabulous job of helping, trying to guide students to make a decision in their, you know, before their senior, well before their senior years, senior year about what's next when they leave. What I would, what I would say if I could get on my soapbox for just a minute is to hopefully, I hope that they don't have a stigma mm-hmm. about community colleges. Right, right. I hope that um, <clears throat> they would join us in this hashtag NCC stigma and that they would be willing to work with each of their students to identify what the best pathway forward is for that individual student Mm -hmm. and when it is for Scythe Tech to point that student to us, to connect that student to us directly um, through our recruitment, uh, recruitment advisors. We have, we have, um, 
guy, uh, career coaches that are embedded in the high schools in Forsyth County and Stokes County. And we work very closely with the counselors. So we're right there. If a student, you know, has, if their, if their pathway is to Forsyth Tech, we are right there for a real nice warm handoff from that counselor in the high school or that faculty member in the high school to the career coach mm-hmm. to help them get on that pathway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, you've been in community college system for a while. Um, yeah. Have you noticed any traits or characteristics that students have now that they didn't? Or, or yeah. what, what differences do you notice um, over time? There's quite a few differences, and primarily I think it has to do with our average age is going down. So I think I mentioned yesterday, last year we had graduates that were as young as 16 to 73, or 17 I think was the youngest graduate, mm-hmm. to 73. Mm-hmm. So we have historically had perhaps a, an, an older average age. Um, back in the day when I first started, I think the average age at Carteret when I got there in 1996 was 34. Okay. Our average age now is 26. Uh-huh. And that has to do with the dual enrollment program, which is a wonderful opportunity for high school students to be able to get college credit for free. Um, they're able to uh, take college courses. They don't have to pay the tuition. They have to cover the books um, and one fee. I think it is like a $15 technology fee, mm-hmm. but they get the tuition free. And so they can earn college credit that then applies to uh, wherever they go after they graduate from high school. Um, so I've seen a change in that our student population is a little bit younger because mm-hmm. of that influx of more students taking advantage of dual enrollment. Mm-hmm. Also, more students are getting the message, I think, that maybe we are their first choice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do believe that the stigma is changing. I do believe that more and more students are recognizing that they don't have to go into high amounts of debt um, to get a pathway that's right for them into a career. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are seeing more and more um, parents who are recognizing the value that the community college can be. And therefore, you know, getting more students coming directly to us. Um, when I first came, there were a lot of our students would try the university route. Um, many would be successful, but many would not. I tell you another trend, too, that just I just remembered is we are seeing a lot of reverse transfer. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of st- our student population who have four-year degrees mm-hmm. or even master's degrees, and they come back to us to train for a new career pathway for many different reasons. Uh, during yeah. the recession, there was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and so th- those are two trends that I really see a lot of. Um, and then the college transfer program, of course, has grown 24 years tremendously. Yeah. We had a very small college transfer program years ago, and that's, that's you know, at least half, if not more, of what many colleges do now. Right. Well, you mentioned debt and affordability. I think those mm-hmm. have a huge part to play on yeah. people actually having a plan before they send their kids to college. That's and, right. And, yeah. and if they don't have a plan to, to send them to a place that has better support right. and smaller class size and mm-hmm. a tighter community. Because, uh, you know, I went to NC State, which my dad called the student factory. And uh-huh. you know, he taught at Pfeiffer, which was eight, nine hundred students at the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, my rebellious self just wanted to get away from there. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. so I... I I didn't learn how to study until I was a junior in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, like really yeah. un- understand Absolutely. what it took to produce a quality yeah. result. And, and I think that a lot of people, you know, back then it was you could take that risk because sure. it wasn't so expensive. And now I don't think that that, that is an option. And you don't want to have three years of right. listless uh, att- class attendance and then that's right. You know, come out with so much debt. That and, you've paid so much money for that. Right, <laughs> That's right. not what you're paying the money for, right? That's right. And you still don't have a path to a career. <laughs> exactly. So I think I think everything you've said is, is paints a great picture for, for like in Stokes County. And I think that um, – you know, education is such a key for mm-hmm. a healthy communities Absolutely. And, and social mobility and economic <clears throat> mobility. And yeah. um, to that, I, I wanted to give you the platform also to talk about 
the the aviation um, yeah. and, and, and all that because it you. seems pretty exciting what's going on with that. Yes. So. Yeah, we're very excited about that. It's a new program, as you know, where you're building. Um, we're in the middle of our construction project to build our new Maisie S. Woodruff uh, Aviation Technology Lab at the um, Winston-Salem Airport, mm-hmm. uh, Z. Smith Reynolds Airport. And that is going to be in conjunction with the Maisie S. Woodruff Center that we already have, our campus that's already there mm-hmm. on Lansing Drive in East Winston. Um, and basically, they're going to have classroom work at the Maisie S. Woodruff Center and then hands-on tech work and labs at the new Aviation Technology Lab. We have two programs that we're working on there. Um, one is around AP technician it's technician maintenance Mm -hmm. um and those jobs are very high paying jobs that are in demand Mm -hmm. there is a workforce gap we also know that aviation jobs are growing the industry is expanding and not only that but we really see the industry expanding in this region Mm -hmm. um i believe that the piedmont triad region um can be and is actually already becoming an aviation hub for north carolina Mm -hmm. so our partners at guilford tech also have aviation programs and between the two of us the reason we both have programs is because there's that much need for the jobs so also another push for us for these programs is we want to recruit students who need to you know whose pathway is aviation regardless of where they are but we also want to heavily recruit from that East Winston area Mm -hmm. because we do know that there are some uh, challenges with poverty in that area Mm -hmm. and these are such great opportunities right there Mm -hmm. to get students into a career pathway that gives them jobs here they can stay home um, and they can have you know a a good pathway forward so we're excited about the programs we also have avionics we're looking at potentially changing that avionics, leaving, uh, letting our, our partners at Guilford Tech continue with the avionics program, and we would take on the composites training, mm-hmm. which would be a really good match for the aviation industries right here, um, Collins BE Aerospace, the other um, companies that are right here in this region, mm-hmm. <clears throat> could really utilize more uh, training and education around composites, additive manufacturing, and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're in development for now. We just hired our new aviation program coordinator. Our building will be open. It will be completed in August. We're working with Guilford Tech to be able to use their certification that we won't have quite completed with the FAA in August mm-hmm. when the building opens to go ahead and be able to start the program. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> in the fall. Um, but working under their license with the FAA. So mm-hmm. it's moving really quickly now, mm-hmm. um, and we are just excited about that new facet of programming. We're looking at drone piloting mm-hmm. programs um, through our economic and workforce development uh, entity, um, and we're even thinking about you know other options around aviation that we can expand into once we get that building complete and the program started. Oh, great! And, and access is you know we started with that and uh-huh. how the community college system and, and one of the things I don't think people in this area well some people know but um, I was surprised to see all the locations that yeah. for Scythe Tech so you have a f- large footprint in we the do. in the area so how, how many locations eight and, locations okay. um, within the two county service area mm-hmm. um, we've got our main campus of course on Silas Creek our economic and workforce development campus on Bolton Street mm-hmm. we have our small business center in innovation quarter mm-hmm. which is very important centrally located there um, we have our Northwest center which is where we have electrical linemen it's mm-hmm. a very popular program uh, all of our training for firefighters and and EMS and, and police, mm-hmm. BLET, those programs are housed there. We have our um, Stokes County um, campus in Walnut Cove. We have an early college there. We also have just built, thanks to Golden Leaf funding um, and county support there, we have built a trades building. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be offering uh, new programs there in this semester as well. And let's see, I'm missing people. Who am I missing? We have our Swisher, S. Woodruff Swisher, Center. Yeah, Swisher. Uh, we have our Swisher Center in Kernersville. We had a massage there a Yes, weeks ago. that's <laughs> awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I know. That's, I love that program um, and love those massages. That's great. Um, that's our Swisher Center is in Kernersville. 
And I think I named them all. I believe okay. that was everything in the Mazius Woodruff, of course. Yeah, so there's probably a Forsyth Tech location near you, yes, listeners. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we serve a 17 county region here mm-hmm. in Northwest North Carolina. So I plug all the other community colleges. Mm-hmm. So we, we work with Wilkes. We've been up to Wilkes uh, recently. We yeah. do some programming up there yeah. in the fall for uh, rural, rural nursing. Uh-huh. And, and it's just interesting to see the community dynamics how different they are just you mm-hmm. know you drive 20 minutes in oh, one yeah. direction and the whole landscape changes talking about equity and yeah. and socioeconomics versus you know uh you know eth- ethnicity right. and, and stuff like that so the breakdowns change so much as you mm-hmm. just travel one way mm-hmm. or the other and, and yep. us for tech or for scythe county being fairly urban um we have some unique problems as well yeah. or issues that and challenges that that we face. Um, and then it sounds like, you know, everything you said paints a, a really bright future for a lot of people if, yeah. if they choose to, to, to explore and, yeah. and, and become a part of it. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, and just tell us something about Janet Spriggs that we don't know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so I'm pretty open and I talk a lot. I think I'm not <laughs> sure there's anything that people don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that there's anything you don't know. I will say that the work What do you do that, for fun? What do I do for fun? Yeah, oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, so I've got five children and, and almost four grandchildren. Mm-hmm. My newest granddaughter is scheduled um, to arrive sometime between now and April 20th. So we're anxiously awaiting her arrival. Spend a lot of time uh, with my family when I can. Um, I love to knit. I love music. I read voraciously. Um, you know, I, I just... Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I do anything else for fun. Love to go to cultural events, theater, music, concerts, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sports. I'm a big sports fan. I'm not a good sports person, mm-hmm. but I love to watch sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm really passionate about the work that we do here. I think that, you know, one thing st- people may not know, although I do talk about it a lot, I uh, am passionate about community colleges and how they can transform lives in large part because I was our student. Mm-hmm. I was a low-income, first-generation, grew up on a tobacco farm in Caswell County, North Carolina, Milton. Um, and so I understand the challenges that many of our students face because those were the same challenges that I faced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has made me uh, a better practitioner through my career in community colleges and certainly a better president mm-hmm. um, because I can talk to students and relate to them in a way that, you know, sometimes chief executive officers can't necessarily right. do. And so, um, yeah, the lived experience, the lived doesn't, experience. doesn't connect. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, so you're, you're writing a book you mentioned yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. I don't have a title, um, but it's about leadership. I have a leadership blog that I think you've seen before, Andy, and mm-hmm. I'm working on revamping that too. I kind of had to take a year off because being a president and being a new president mm-hmm. took a focus, a level of focus that I'm not sure I necessarily understood. So I haven't been really active with my blog. But, you know, in addition to community college education and higher education in general, leadership is a real passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And so I have a blog leading to make a difference because mm-hmm. um, I believe that uh, genuine, authentic servant leadership is all about finding your purpose and living it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a leader, that means, you know, using your um, influence as a leader to make a difference and make things better for mm-hmm. others. And so uh, my book is going to be around that, that concept of genuine leadership and relational leadership, mm-hmm. which I think are all aspects of servant leadership. That's great. Well, I, yeah. one of the quotes that stood out from your blog that I, that I copied down was uh, John Shar. Is that how you say yes, it? The uh-huh. future is not someplace we are going. Two, but one we are creating. The paths are not to be found, but made. And the activity of making them changes both the maker and the destination. So yeah. I think I wanted to just yeah. just plug, put that in Thank there. You, and, and, you picked my favorite quote. That's oh, perfect. Yes. Well, well great. And and then yeah. give us Forsyth Tech's uh, website address for yes. those listening. It, it's very easy. www.forsythetech.edu. Well, there you go. And and we are Northwest AHEC dot wakehealth.edu so i got to plug us absolutely. as well absolutely and uh, thank you so much for your time absolutely thank you so much for the opportunity